0: Here's to the innovators, the makers, the doers, and the hustlers of DC. With Facebook Elevate, you can grow your business, build your online presence, kickstart
1: your career, or turn your passion of creating content into a reality. Facebook Elevate is a program that provides free digital marketing courses and one-on-one coaching from experts that can help you grow your business. Learn more at facebook.com FBElevate.
0: Facebook Elevate, on the rise, together. Today is one of those days where I have so much to talk about, but so little time to actually say it all. I want to break down a few stories for you today. I know most days I'm only really focusing in on one actual story. but I want to talk to you about some of the political victories last night. Also, I want to unpack some of the horrible things that we saw happening with voter suppression all over the country. And I really want to dig into how the Democratic Party continues to work against agents of change who are trying to join the party to make it so much better. This is Sean King, and you Mm -hmm. are listening to The the Breakdown. The the, the Breakdown. The, 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 The Breakdown. let's start out talking about some of the good news from last night. And there's actually a whole lot of good news. I think I have to start with my main man, Jamal Bowman, who won a race uh, where he unseated Congressman Elliot Engel, uh, which uh, is for a congressional district in the Bronx. And Jamal is just a a brilliant candidate for Congress, winning the Democratic primary yesterday basically means that he is going to to win the general election in November. It's almost a completely Democratic district. There might be a Republican that tries to run against him, but it's it's almost a complete non-factor at this point. And uh, Jamal is a lifelong educator, a school principal, And has the views that actually represent us on on justice reform, on on injustice, on racial justice, on the economy, on the environment, on health care. And he's just a brilliant, uh, you know, thinker, speaker, uh, organizer. He is he is motivational and which is something that we need in government. Because uh, more and more and more people just don't have faith in uh particularly in Congress in Democrats or Republicans, their approval ratings continue to be horrible. they have pretty much been horrible my entire life. But having Jamal Bowman win that race last night in a landslide uh against and I just want to i just I have to be frank here against a white man in a district that is predominantly black and Latino. And Elliot Engel really doesn't even live in the district anymore, has become so attached to Washington, D.C., that his primary home is now in Maryland. And throughout the coronavirus and throughout so many painful moments for that district and for New York City, where Jamal will now be a congressperson, and it sounds so great to say it, um, Elliot Engel has just been absent. He has voted and advocated for so many horrible policies and wars. Uh, His foreign policy ideas are some of the worst of any Democrat in Congress. And, and Jamal Bowman won by a landslide. And it's such great news because it takes brave, courageous voices, multiple brave, courageous voices in Congress to be able to actually get stuff done. And we're seeing more and more people who are not just progressive, um, but have the, the right morals and ethics that make them incorruptible. And I trust Jamal as a person, not just now as an elected leader. Uh, this is someone who's been a leader his whole life. And so you're able to look at his character and his integrity and you know that when he gets into Congress, he's not going to shapeshift and change. And there are so many disappointing moments where, for instance, the Congressional Black Caucus, Jamal Bowman is uh, a young black man, again, a lifelong educator and school principal, and it's just brilliant. And the Congressional Black Caucus endorsed his moderate White opponent. (laughs) You can't make this up. It's like a young black man runs for office and his views should be aligning with your views and you endorse his moderate white opponent. What in the world? How ridiculous for the congressional black caucus to endorse the opponent Of Jamal Bowman. Like, here's the thing. Jamal Bowman, when you are African-American and elected to Congress, you are just a part of the Congressional Black Caucus. So he is now going to be a part of the Congressional Black Caucus. But you can't get back the opportunity that you had to be like going along for the ride. Like, I'm proud to have endorsed Jamal damn near a year ago. And, and there is so much pride in seeing the person that you believed in from the beginning. And even if the Congressional Black Caucus, even if they were late adopters and say just endorsed him this past month, they would have still been able to celebrate, to wildly celebrate. But one of the most corrupt men in Congress, Gregory Meeks, a, a, a black man who is In charge of a lot of this, uh, a lot of the endorsement process for the Congressional Black Caucus, if you literally Google Congressman Gregory Meeks corruption from nonpartisan groups regularly select him as one of the most corrupt members of Congress. And he is in charge of a lot of the process of who the Congressional Black Caucus endorses. And so it's no surprise that Gregory Meeks chose to endorse the moderate, problematic, white opponent of a brilliant, progressive, young black man running for Congress. It's uh, it's a disturbing trend. But we saw the same thing from Hillary Clinton. And I know many of you may love Hillary Clinton. I'm not here to diss her as a person. But she did not endorse anybody for Congress this year except the opponent of Jamal Bowman. <laughs> she didn't even endorse someone in her own district. And now uh, Mondaire Jones, who uh, is another young black man, openly gay young black man, uh, became last night after all of the votes are not counted, but it appears that Mondare is going to win his congressional seat and he will literally be the congressperson for Bill and Hillary Clinton, who also, it was an open seat. They just refused to endorse anybody. And instead, the only endorsement that Hillary made in the entire country was for Elliot Engel, the opponent of Jamal Bowman. And we're seeing this all over the country, the excitement, not only the excitement that Jamal exudes. But the excitement that I saw last night from all over the country when Jamal won from all of the grassroots activists and organizers and organizations from the from the Sunrise Movement and and Justice Democrats and so many others that backed Jamal. And and to just not be a part of that is foolish, like what I have come to understand, and I can't wait for you to uh, to get my book, make change. <laughs> I guess this. I was gonna say this is not an ad, but I, I spent so much time writing it that it's always on my mind. You know, in in the book, I talk about how after a while, some organizations stop remembering why they exist and just start existing and fighting to exist. So they just fight to maintain their position, not for a certain value, not for a certain policy, not for a certain principle. They just exist to exist as an organization. And so they are regularly just fighting to maintain the status quo. And that's what we get with the Democratic Party. Um, You know, I think the most important race to me is the Democratic primary for Senate in Kentucky, where my dear friend and brother Charles Booker uh, is running to take on Mitch McConnell. Charles, who's a a brilliant state legislator in Louisville, in literally the poorest zip code in all of Kentucky where Charles was born and raised. Uh, Our team at Flip the Senate is proud to have endorsed Charles again nearly a year ago. Just like Jamal Bowman, we were one of the first organizations in the country to back Charles literally on the day he announced. And so we're so proud to have been early adopters. And his opponent, Amy McGrath, who not only has no elected experience, but no real political experience, virtually every elected official in the state of Kentucky who made an endorsement endorsed Charles Booker, including... So many state legislators, uh, former elected officials, current elected officials, grassroots organizers, but uh, Charles Schumer, Chuck Schumer from the, from the Senate and the, and, and the endorsing body, the political body of the United States Senate, insisted on supporting Amy McGrath. And they raised for Amy, not for her fight against Mitch McConnell, but just for this primary, tens of millions of dollars. And they spent in the past two weeks alone, Amy McGrath's campaign spent more to defeat Charles than Charles raised and spent in his entire campaign. And it's still so close that it's too close to call, uh, I wish we could call it, but what we're learning is that the majority of voters in Kentucky voted by mail-in ballot, and it may literally take another week or more to really count all of those ballots. That's going to be a difficult process for us all over the country. Uh, I think it's a, a preview of, no, of election night in this coming November. We should not expect... We may understand who won the presidential race if Joe Biden, for instance, has a blowout. I, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily counting on that, and, and none of us should, but it's pretty much the only way a race is going to be able to be called on election night this November, any, any election, is if it's so much of a blowout that even with all of the mail-in ballots not yet counted, that nobody could overcome the deficit. But people came out in huge numbers to vote for Charles all over Kentucky yesterday. It's really going to come down to the mail-in ballots. And uh, we're still waiting for a lot of the numbers to come in from Lexington uh, and Louisville. And, you know, my, fa- my wife and I both are born and raised in Kentucky. My, my family is from Kentucky. And, uh, and there's so much excitement behind Charles that it's just frustrating for the Democratic Party and the and the and the endorsing body of the Democrats in the Senate to again not be a part of this. And this is this is a repetitive story that we continue to have to say all over the country. They're just not a part of it. Listen, I have a quick word from one of our sponsors and then I want to tell you about another story that's been brewing over the past few days. Hey, everybody, there is a wonderful new podcast out right now, hosted by the brilliant Dr. Imani Walker, who's been practicing as a psychiatrist for over 10 years, and it's called Imani State of Mind. And for those of you who don't know, Imani is spelled I-M-A-N-I, Imani State of Mind. And it's a new show that breaks down mental health and wellness in an accessible and approachable way. And she equips listeners with the right language and tools to begin normalizing how we have these open conversations. She breaks down the stigmas and she especially tailors her discussions for people of color. But the podcast is for everybody. Mental health can be seen as sort of a taboo topic, especially in the black community. But in these trying times, we have to keep our minds healthy to keep growing and keep fighting Every single day. So listen, all of you, I want you to check out Imani State of Mind. That's the name of the podcast. I am A&I, Imani State of Mind. And you can listen right now on Stitcher, on Apple, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, I'm Lissandra, and I'm the podcasting director for the North Star. As part of our weekly Woman Crush Wednesday series, the North Star is honored to highlight another woman of color who is using her voice to bring about change in her community. This week, TNS is elated to spotlight Afro-Puerto Rican indigenous transgender activist Lissaya Wade. Lissaya, who grew up in Chicago's South Side, is the founder of Tennessee Trans Journey Project and director of Brave Space Alliance in Chicago. For years, Lasaya has used her voice to advocate and organize for Black, Indigenous, trans, and gender non-conforming people. She's been honored at the Chicago LGBTQA Black History Recognition Ceremony and is the first trans woman in the history of Illinois to be honored during Women's History Month. Brave Space Alliance, which has three full-time employees and more than 3,000 volunteers, was established after a 2017 transgender rights protest in downtown Chicago. It provides resources, programming, and services to the LGBTQ community. In light of COVID-19 and the Black Lives Matter protests, Brave Space has stepped up in a big way to help all Chicagoans. We salute Lasaya for her amazing work supporting LGBTQ plus people and providing protesters with a safe haven. Be sure to check out our Instagram page at the North Star Media to learn more about Lasaya and why we're crushing on her incredible work.
0: If you all don't mind, as we close today, I want to get a little nerdy and a little wonky for a second because. There is a story that is near and dear to my heart. It's hyper-local to New York, but I want to tell you why it matters to policing all over the country. One of my best friends, uh, a man that has grown to be like a brother to me, is actually a police officer for the NYPD, and his name is Edwin Raymond. And um, if you Google Edwin Raymond NYPD 12, Uh, First, Edwin is just one of the most compassionate, um, kind, men of integrity and good character that I know, period. And I never actually thought that I would have a good friend who works for any police department and certainly not the NYPD. But Edwin has been a whistleblower within the NYPD for years and years revealing their patterns and practices of racism and discrimination. And he's been trying to transform the NYPD from the inside out, which takes tremendous courage. And it has cost him uh, not just sleepless nights, but safety and security, as he has literally been a whistleblower on misconduct within the police department, including among his supervisors. And, uh, and he has been um, a constant source of inspiration to me that, that there are people trying to change police departments from the inside. They may be few and far between, particularly as, as bold as Edwin has been. But Edwin was a group of 12 current and former NYPD officers who revealed something unconstitutional and illegal that was going on within the department. And and several years ago now, they filed a lawsuit against the NYPD for saying that the NYPD had an illegal quota system where individual precincts and the department at large was forcing officers to arrest and ticket a certain number of people per day. And Edwin even filmed and recorded undercover officers telling people that they needed to get the numbers of arrest up. And Edwin and others became whistleblowers in and revealed how they did that, saying that they would officers would regularly just swarm school kids after school and, and arrest them. Brutalize and arrest them. They would They would hide behind windows in subways and brutalize and arrest people on the subway just to meet their quotas. And their supervisors would say, listen, we need you need 10 arrests. You need you need two of these types of arrests and four of these types of arrests. And when they couldn't find those arrests, they would make them up. Well, today. Something happened that really shocked Edwin shocked myself. I had a chance to talk with Edwin this morning before I I began recording the podcast. And the NYPD Captains Association uh, went on record to say, yes, this program uh, that they call CompStat of tracking and encouraging large numbers of arrests uh, should be disbanded. Now, it's a mixed bag. This program comps that the captains, anytime leadership in the NYPD says something, I'm sorry, even I'm sorry to Edwin and others, I still have to look at it with a degree of side eye because I don't necessarily trust their motives, but they do say, yes, this program is causing major friction in communities and should be disbanded. So that's good news. But it's not that easy because that same department and the mayor of New York City, Mayor Bill de Blasio, pushed back on Edwin and the NYPD 12 for years, saying that the very thing that the NYPD Captains Association just said is a problem. The NYPD and the New York City mayor has said for years that no such problem existed. And literally fought them in court, fought Edwin and the other members of the NYPD 12, fought them over it. All in the name of this thing they're saying exists, it doesn't actually exist. And now the NYPD Captains Association says, well, actually, it does exist. And actually, it's causing major problems in the community because we are forcing people to fight for a certain number of arrests, and it's a real problem. And so it's progress. But it comes with a real level of frustration because those in power have said that it literally didn't exist for years. And so shout out to Edwin and all of the members of the NYPD 12 for not only being whistleblowers to that, but forcing this issue into the public consciousness in New York. Now, here's how it applies to you, really in two ways. First, because the NYPD is the city's, is the nation's largest rather Police department, other departments all around the country and all around the world often follow and mimic the policies of the NYPD. And that's been proven in several studies that that other large departments and medium sized departments often follow the trends, the, the policy trends of the NYPD. But secondly, it's a high level conversation of saying, how does policing actually work in your city? I want you to jump in head first into that conversation because policing is complicated. And we often like to reduce our problems, including mass incarceration and police brutality and policing in general. We often reduce them into being way simpler than they actually are. But I want you to begin learning how people police communities in your city, in your county, in your state. So you can do as we're doing in New York and doing across the country so that you can fight back to not only reduce uh, the budgets of police departments, but radically change their policies in the meantime, all right? Listen, I've got to run. Uh, We're working on some really exciting things and something special that we're announcing tomorrow. Love and appreciate each of you. Take care.
1: My name is Brandon Janice,
0: and I'm the host of Sick Empire, a brand new podcast brought to you by the North Star. On Sick Empire, I interview New Yorkers who, in different ways, fight on the front lines for change in the city during the coronavirus pandemic.
1: Please listen to hear a unique mix of stories from essential workers, small business owners, artists, and elected officials who are all experiencing the chaos of COVID
0: in their own ways. Listen to Sick Empire on all streaming platforms
1: and you can support the show and any of our other podcasts by heading over to thenorthstar.com and becoming a member. Sick Empire. Sick Empire.
0: Thyroid eye disease and itchy eyes have you itching for a fight. It might be time to discover another treatment option. To learn more, visit treatmyted.com. That's treatmyted.com.